It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. It's, as it always is, an absolute pleasure to have so many of you out there listening. Please do spread the word because I always like to see those numbers bumping up. Well, I'm Chloe Thomas, creator of the e-commerce Master Plan. I'm an author, speaker and consultant, and I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing. I'd like to welcome you to the second podcast in our January series, 2017 e-commerce growth series sponsored by Vico, the number one inventory software. And you can try Vico for free today at info.vico.com forward slash e-commerce dash master plan. Coming up over the 10 January episodes, we have interviews with a fascinating set of e-commerce businesses, each of which will help you work out how to deal with the key challenges you tell me about. Plus, we have some expert viewpoints on buying a business, selling a business and starting a business, as well as tips on marketing for 2017. And that's today's episode, because today the experts are back in the house. And the question they're answering is... What's your number one marketing recommendation for e-commerce in 2017? Now, if you missed their first show, which is all about the most interesting thing in e-commerce in 2016, it's number 82. It's out there right now for you and it's well worth a listen. If you'd like to add your thoughts to the debate on either of these expert shows, then head over to our e-commerce master plan world Facebook group via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. Okay, let's dive in with Chris Dawson of Tamebay, who's got details of the many ways that a marketplace can help your business. My number one marketing suggestion for 2017 is what it's always been, which is to chase the money. There's no point concentrating on some small niche site or even your own website if for the same amount or less effort you can get a big result somewhere else. So in the UK, without a doubt, the two biggest marketplaces are eBay and Amazon. But what about when you want to expand overseas? We know that the US is a big marketplace, Australia is a big marketplace, and they both speak English, so they're obvious places to start. And then we know that Germany and France, where there's a language difference, are the second and third biggest marketplaces in Europe um, for UK sellers looking for export. So those are the places that we should start by attacking. But as soon as we go to France even, eBay and Amazon aren't the biggest marketplaces, and there's a whole load of different marketplaces that we need to look at. And it really is a case of prioritizing, will I get a big result on Amazon in Germany or Price Minister in France? And lots of sellers are looking at new emerging marketplaces like China and Brazil and Russia. But again, you should ask yourself the question, where will I get the biggest results? Should it be C-Discount in France? Or should it be Yandex in Russia? Should it be Alibaba or Rakuten? Where where should I go first to prioritize my efforts? And lots of sellers, and I hate to say this, but they still focus on the vanity of their own website. But even large retailers are focusing on marketplaces as well nowadays. And whilst I'm not saying don't have a website, what I am saying is don't spend four days a week working on your website if you get as much business off marketplace than working on it one day a week, work on the marketplace four days a week and work on your website just one day a week. I, I think that's was controversial. I rather like that advice because I, I'm certainly finding that the increasingly important is getting the kind of the back end of websites 
to the point and the ops side of websites to the point where you're not constantly trying to integrate and integrate and integrate, but you've got one system that will enable you to um, to to deal with all those platforms and treat them as different routes to market. So as you're you're in a position to to make the decision of wow, Amazon's picking up. Let's spend some time focusing on that rather than the site or rather than eBay or rather than Rakuten or whatever's going on. But you've got to have that software core software piece in place first to be able to do it. I would suggest. Yes, and I think um, ultimately, of course, you want your website and your brand to be the the, the majority of your business. Um, but I think the truth of the matter is that with the new technology that's coming along, and by new technology, I mean things like in the past we'd have been calling new technology mobile. Should I have my own mobile app? And the answer is probably would no. have been a waste of time. You're better off listing on eBay and Amazon and using their mobile apps. Mm-hmm. In the future, we've got devices like Amazon Alexa and Google Home coming along, artificial intelligence devices that sit and listen, waiting for us to want to buy something in our own home. Now, while Amazon have already got Amazon Alexa out on the market, I've got one in my home uh, here, um, it's very unlikely that a retailer can have their own Amazon Alexa device. And even if they have the resources to build one, who would ever want to buy it? So if you want shopping on artificial intelligence, you're going to have to partner with other people. And it makes so much more sense to partner with Amazon to have your devices available on Amazon Alexa than it is to try and build your own artificial intelligence device. And that's why I say, go where the money is. Go with the sites and the venues where you're making the money. Certainly don't mean you shouldn't have a website. And in fact, even on sites like Amazon, you can have sponsored adverts, um, and again on eBay, um, sometimes just to drive traffic to your Amazon or eBay listings, but sometimes to actually drive traffic back to your own website. You can buy an advert on eBay for your own website, should you wish to. Um, the question is, will you get more money by listing the product on eBay or by listing an advert on eBay? And the only way you'll find that out is by trial and error. But as soon as you smell where the money is, chase the money, don't chase the vanity. So it's chase the money, don't chase the vanity. Something I think we'll be hearing a lot more often as we deal with a less certain economic and political environment in 2017. But that's already too much politics for this show. Um, let's dive in now to some hard and fast marketing tips. First up with one of these is Heather McElvain, the editor of Australia's Internet Retailing Magazine. Now, I know she sounds American and she is, but she really does know what she's talking about when it comes to Australian retail. So this is a tip that seems almost so obvious, it's hard for me to credit it as a tip. But I think retailers, uh, in Australia at least, are just beginning to tap into the potential of mobile video advertising. But the reasons to do so are pretty undeniable. Uh, In Australia, as in many other countries, the smartphone penetration is really high, and people are consuming more video um, than ever before in terms of their, their content diet. And as well, video production is getting cheaper, I think. Um, So I think that basically our obsession with on-demand video via Netflix is spilling over into other parts of our life. And this is something that anyone who's looked up on public transport and looked around them would realize when they see everyone on their smartphones. Um, I had a conversation with the head of retail for Facebook in Australia, and she said, commute time is the new prime time. And I think that's really true. Um, there's a good chance that all those people sitting around you on the train are probably scrolling through their Facebook feed and watching videos. The reason for that 
that I think is that video is just inherently more captivating than any other format. And retailers are beginning to see that they can use video not just to tell a really engaging story about their brand that people can connect deeply with, but depending on the category, there's also an opportunity for educational videos and user-generated content. It's more of a two-sided and more of a dialogue than a lot of other forms of advertisement can be. But I think obviously the question here, the big question is metrics. And I know many marketers um, think that Facebook for one needs to be more transparent in the way that they count video views. And I think the key question going forward is how do you track the impact of mobile video? Mobile video was not something I'd anticipated cropping up for the retail sector. It's all over the place for marketing knowledge and ideas like I do, but I hadn't realised how important it's becoming for retailers. But bear in mind that warning about the stats and more on stats later. Here's another channel-based tip from our advertising expert, Anne-Sophie Forger, an e-commerce professional working for one of the large agencies. It will be, as far as I I think, it will be all about audiences and personalisation. What we find out is the consumer are really, really well educated now. So when they look for a, a product, we need to engage with them. We can. It's 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 the the time where we would serve the same ads all over all, all over again is actually has ended, and now we need to personalize. Make make sure we reach the customer at the right with the right messages at the right time. The start of his search, engage him in a specific way. If it's towards, if he has come back um, from previous channel, or let's, or, or we know he has browsed our website, let's 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 talk to him in a specific way, uh, and get him engaged. Um, and this is also going to be uh, related to the artificial intelligence, the chatbot, the engagement, leave the review. So for me, it's all about audience and personalization. Well, that's a really big topic and a lot of our listeners are um, on the smaller side of the e-commerce scale. So is there kind of one place you'd suggest they start? Because there's there must be 20 different places you could start. But where, where would you advise them to start, Anne-Sophie? I would suggest to start with AdWords. Um, this this year, they came up with RLSA, mm-hmm. uh, remarketing list uh, for search ads, where you can actually starting to build your audience. So, for example, you can have, um, let's build an audience of people who have visited my site for the last 30 days, looked at the product page, for example, didn't buy. And then you can say this, this you can think that this person have already seen your site. So maybe the next time they come back, you will actually change the, the messages because maybe you see that they're visiting, I don't know, handbag pages and uh, they're looking for your brand. So they're most likely going to be interested in handbags because they look at it and didn't buy. Um, and also we, we, we are building more and more audiences and on AdWords it, it really became from purely a keyword strategy to an audience strategy now. So they could start by that, by there and build their audience uh, and go from there and see which audience convert the best. Oh, I love that. Really nice, straightforward place to start, which doesn't involve a huge amount of techie setup or ad designing. Just simply look at your audience and then put the right ads in front of them on the search engine. In 2017, I'm going to be launching a couple of training courses, and one of my ideas for them is to do something around Google keywords, RLSA, and maybe remarketing. If you have a point of view on what you'd like to be trained on in AdWords, etc., or something else even, then let me know via the e-commerce master plan world Facebook group. 
Now, continuing the theme of communication and conversation about getting that right message to the right person at the right time is Skip Fedura of Dotmailer. My number one marketing recommendation for e-commerce or for non-e-commerce, actually, it doesn't, doesn't really matter, is we need to stop marketing. Now, when I say we need to stop marketing, I'm not saying we need to stop sending marketing communications. But we really, 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 as an, all marketers, need to start thinking about not marketing, but just having conversations. If the person that's getting this message was standing right there, what would you say to them? This all comes back to it, a number of stats, and these are email-specific stats, but I think it applies to most, most marketing. Uh, consumers uh, across all age groups in the UK prefer email marketing by more than two to one to maintain relationships with brands. And that's across all age groups, including those pesky millennials that apparently don't ever use email. But, in fact, they do. But at the same time, most consumers feel that uh, more than half the email marketing they receive is irrelevant, doesn't hit the mark. When we ask consumers, why do you sign up, they say, I want the offer. But what they really mean is they want the right offer. Yeah. And when they say that most email marketing or most of the marketing emails they receive are irrelevant, they're only thinking about the irrelevant ones. Because I think in the consumer's mind, if something is relevant, it's not marketing. It's useful. If I'm in the market for, I don't know, new windows, and a flyer comes through the door, hits the doormat, selling new windows, I'm going to pick that up, and as a consumer, I'm going to be like, oh, that's useful. I need new windows. But if I don't need new windows, maybe it's something for the flyer that comes through is gardening. I don't have a garden. Just having somebody mow my lawn is useless. That's not relevant. Suddenly, in my mind, that's marketing. And so I think, you know, what we really need to start thinking about is how do we have these human conversations at scale? You know, it, it's kind of cliche because we've been talking about it forever, but it's, it's how do we build the right segments? How do we get the right message to the right person at the right time? All those kind of things. But if you go with some of the e-commerce stats about how customer experience is going to be the key differentiator by as early as 2018, mm-hmm. part of that experience is the conversations we have. Part of that experience is how do I get you to my site and encourage you to buy something? Um, and if I'm doing it by bashing you over the head with an offer that you don't care about, that's not a good experience relative to someone who can deliver a message that about something I do care about. And I think, Skip, I think it's probably worth pointing out, as some people may be listening to this having a minor heart attack, thinking, oh my God, I've got to personalize and segment everything. The the stats, which I, th- I believe are DMA stats that you're reading at the beginning, they're what they suggest is that pretty much very few people are doing this. So a little bit of segmentation, a little bit of, you know, starting to head down this path is going to make a big difference to your, to the customers and to your business performance. Yeah, absolutely. The, the number of clients or, or companies, I should say, who aren't doing this is very large. Uh, we do some research every year in the e-commerce space called, called hitting the mark. We're in the process of doing it right now. And it's, almost shocking not only the number of brands who aren't doing the basics right but the size of the brands so if you're currently sitting at home running a, a lovely little e-commerce business out of your I don't know your bedroom your garage or whatever and thinking I can never compete with John Lewis or I can never compete with Argos you're wrong because you can um, <laughs> and actually you've probably got an easier shot at doing it because you've only got one database oh yeah as opposed to you know, a gazillion, you don't have legacy data, you don't have an e-commerce system that was built 
in the late 80s. Um, so, well, and there's, there's, there's also often only one person that has to be convinced rather than a board. Exactly. And, uh, you know, there's, there's the decision-making process. Is well, it awful is. Lot and, and the other thing, um, probably the only thing that the bigger brands have over the smaller brands is because they're bigger and they've got bigger data sets, they can test better. They can test faster. They can't test better necessarily, but they can test faster. Um, but the funny thing is they also tend to be risk-averse and don't want to test at all. So even there, where they could compete very strongly, they don't compete. So the key differentiator in e-commerce by 2018 is going to be customer experience. And of course, that's going to include the relationship and the conversation you build with your customer. However, it's not as difficult as you may think, given that a few pieces of segmentation, a few automated sequences, get those in place and boom, you are going to be ahead of some of the biggest retailers in the land. Now, for some more ways to get in front of the right customers, it's Paul Skeldon, editor of M Retailing, with his take on the number one marketing method for 2017. Uh, I I think sort of uh, going slightly off-paste probably with this is that I think people should look more and more at affiliate marketing. Ad blocking is becoming a really big issue, I think, for any online entity. Um, and you know it is going to affect big and small retailers equally. 22% of online adults in the UK block ads. Uh, it, it's perfect. You know that your iPhone comes with ad blocking software that you can just turn on. You can turn. You know you can block advertising pretty much uh, from hitting your phone. Uh, and similarly, you can do it on your PC. And, and more and more people are doing this, and it's, it's getting more and more difficult for retailers to meet their customers through through the sort of traditional advertising medium. And one of the things I've sort of seen sort of over the latter part of 2016, which I think is going to start to increase in 2017, is the use of affiliate marketing agencies to get your brand and your advert and your you know drive traffic uh, because it's just a much more effective way of a spending your money and b circumventing kind of a lot of the ad blocking technology so that you you know you're basically essentially using an agency to place your adverts in relevant media and relevant websites where people are likely to see what you do Paul, I just want to clarify a little bit of that because mm. I'm I'm slightly confused, which probably <laughs> means other people might be as well. So my traditional perspective of affiliates is you go to Trade Doubler or uh, Affiliate Window or somebody you mm. who are kind of the big affiliate networks and you give them your product feed, you give them some ads, and then you work with the affiliates that are in their mix. Is that what you're talking about, taking that route? Or are you meaning more going to a proactive affiliate agency who will manage your affiliate campaign across those networks? Going to an affiliate agency who will manage it across those, those networks. I think because there's a lot of big there's a lot of big affiliate networks like Trade Doubler, Affiliate, affiliate Net. Um, affiliate window, all those sorts of people, and they do an excellent job. You've got to manage them, and you need to you need to deal with as many affiliate networks as possible. I think to get this out there, um, and you need to find affiliate networks that are starting to talk to people like uh, things like Mumsnet and all these sorts of places where you know what we. You know, they too are looking to do affiliate marketing and sell things, but they also a great outlet for advertising around whatever your specialty might be. If you're, you know, selling something to sort of, you know, their target audience. It, it, similarly, you can find uh, agencies that will find affiliate 
network companies that will have more you know bloggers and all the other long tail of um, of sort of content sites where your advertising could well garner some views and it's not that expensive and you really you know you pretty much pay by results so it doesn't work it doesn't cost Conversely, obviously, you need it to work because you want to drive traffic. But but it's I think we're going to see a, an increasing use of affiliate marketing in in all its forms because of this problem with ad blocking. So it's interesting. We had on the podcast in uh, in 2016 a gentleman called Dan Adler who runs Wink Beds in the US. They sell mattresses, and he's built his business to seven figures purely by doing what he refers to as influencer marketing. Now, as and just for those who are listening, that means going out to bloggers and he gave them mattresses to test and then they wrote about it. So bloggers who write about sleep and mattresses and bedroom furniture and those kind of things. And that's the, the pure way he's built his business. So we, I kind of dived into that with him. And he said, well, for a lot of them, I had to then offer them an affiliate deal for them to get the coverage. So I think I think you're you're very right on the affiliate front because I think it does dovetail in with the influencer outreach that I'm seeing a lot of people doing. Are you thinking about people coming from it from, from that as a nice add-on or, and, and are you seeing affiliate marketing agencies kind of approach both parts of the pie? I've seen affiliate agencies starting to, to, to get it and approach both parts of the pie. I think it, uh, uh, there's two things at play here. I think one is that, that uh, people trying to sell things or reach out you know, and get their brand out there, need to find new ways to do that because of the, the problems with ad blocking. Plus, as well, Google is intensely competitive and, and increasingly can be quite expensive. But there's also this idea that, that um, you know, you can tap into this long tail of people using affiliate marketing, which is, you know, entirely sort of performance-based. Uh, and it, it neatly brings together the idea of trying to use influencer marketing and affiliate marketing to get your brand out there. Now, I don't think you necessarily need to, to give your product to the bloggers. At this stage, yeah. you can sort of on a much more cost-effective way find uh, affiliate agencies or find the networks that, that have or place adverts on those blogging sites that, that should be, if they're doing their job properly, almost 100% targeted at the people you're trying to reach. I think it's all part of a, a, an approach that I think uh, e-tailers are going to have to take in 2017 of being a bit smarter about their marketing. I've put a link to the Dan Adler interview in the show notes, which you can get at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 83-5. Um, but so we've all got to be a bit smarter about our marketing. It's certainly the case that we can't just rest on our laurels and rely on the methods of the past. It's time for some creativity. And maybe for you, that's a hybrid affiliate influencer campaign. Before our last expert, though, let me remind you of our sponsors who make all this possible. This e-commerce growth series is sponsored by Vico. Vico is the number one inventory software. Vico allows you to sell across multiple marketplaces, such as eBay, Amazon, Magento, WooCommerce and Shopify. You can try Vico for free today at info.vico.com forward slash e-commerce dash master plan. Vico is V-E-E-Q-O. So that's info.vico.com forward slash e-commerce dash master plan. Right, let's finish up with further thoughts from the always worth listening to Alex O'Burn of number one Shopify agency, We Make Websites. My number one marketing recommendation for e-commerce brands is to look at the data as to which marketing is working. So that could be through Google Analytics or it could be by doing a survey of your top 20 most loyal customers and getting feedback from them as to how they found you. 
I know with marketing a brand, there can be a lot of options out there, and you might be doing a lot of things at the same time that all feel like they're contributing. But when you look at the data, you might realize there's actually only two or three channels that are bringing you direct sales. So I know that sometimes uh, channels can be part of the attribution. For example, someone discovers you through a search result, uh, and then they follow you on Instagram, and then they see you in a remarketing ad and come and buy from you. So I know that there might be multiple touch points, but it's always always worth looking at which are the, the channels that are actually generating that sale at the end of the process. Um, and that can be a really good way of sharpening how you spend your money and your time. And the only thing I'd say, though, is always keep, up, uh, keep a, a, a bit of budget and time aside for actually trying new things because it's very good to, to double down on what works, but also you've got to keep a, a bit of capacity to actually experiment with new ideas, otherwise you'll never find new ways of growing the business. There you have it. In 2017, you need to chase the money and double down on what's working, all whilst building the customer experience through those all-important conversations. Well, Masterplan World, you can find out more about our experts at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 83-5. Join in the conversation uh, in the Ecommerce Masterplan World Facebook group and make sure you come back next time to hear from Chantelle Wellovitz of Equichoice. She's discussing how she balances her two businesses, one e-commerce and one very different from e-commerce. Plus, there's some great marketing ideas that she shares as well. So have a great week and keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.